I've read, I, I know Crowley, I haven't read anything by him, which is a total lie, because in Vice he wrote this whole article about how he knew everything about the occult by the, you know, was a master of the occult by the age of 14. I fell in love with magic when I was first learning to read and realized that such a thing existed. At about the age of 12, I discovered the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and changed my life forever. The Golden Dawn was an order of ceremonial magicians that lived in the mid-1800s in England and included such luminaries as W.B. Yeats, Pamela Coleman Smith, who painted the artwork we now know as the Rider Waite Tarot Deck, and the notorious Aleister Crowley. Hello and welcome to Dystopian Deep Dives with your host, Natalie Donna. Uh, we're here today on the first edition of our podcast. Uh, I'm going to talk to a good friend of mine, Roberta Glass, about Satanism and one of her favorite topics, the West Memphis Three. So without further ado, here's our episode on those topics. Welcome to my show where uh, I'm going to do a deep dive into some famous Satanists, which, you know, Hollywood basically coalesced to get a child murderer out of jail and made a bad documentary about it uh, to brainwash everyone. So, uh, Roberta, why don't you tell me uh, what you know about uh, just briefly this case and why you think uh, Damien Eccles is guilty? Well, I didn't initially think they were guilty. I, I was brainwashed just like the rest of the public with the documentaries, and there's been four of them. So it's not just one. <laughs> I mean, they really just kept, it became a, you know, cottage industry. Mm -hmm. So I saw the documentary, thought, just like the rest of the public, everything I read about the West Memphis Three was that they were wrongly con uh, convicted, uh, that there was no evidence that this was a witch hunt. And um, just when I started to, I briefly heard um, a podcast with the other side and I never heard the other side before. And that started me uh, reading uh, the documents, the court documents, mm -hmm. um, the case, the case documents, which are available at Callahan.net. And, you know, the thing that they won't tell you in that documentary is they talk about Jesse Miss Kelly's forced uh, forced confession. Well, that guy could not stop confessing. And there are three confessions that are on audio tape that you can, you know, you can listen to right. or read that go into incredible depth. And when they talk about, oh, he didn't know anything, he talked about throwing the police off, telling them it happened at the wrong time, telling them that they tied the, the three children that they killed with ropes, instead of their own shoelaces, just throw off a few details. And when you look at confessions, it's very hard to find confessions that are 100% accurate. Right. And if we're saying that someone confessed, uh, any confession that's not 100% accurate should be thrown out, then free Chris Watts. There's a, there's a lot of people in there that should be freed that didn't tell the whole truth either the first or second time and probably will never know um, mm. for various reasons. Um, so that's number one. And he even confessed to a supporter. I mean, it's just consistent. He confessed all the way in the back of the police car, all the way to prison. Right. It sounds um, like he's the only one that has any kind of conscious conscience. Right. And you can see that he wasn't invited or he chose to not show up to the big party they got when they took the Alfred plea. Also, people don't understand the Alfred plea. 
The West Memphis Three had the best lawyers, the best experts. They had 10 to $20 million. It may be higher than that. They never disputed that figure. That is 10 to 20 times the amount OJ had. Uh, <laughs> and he got acquitted. So yeah. they had all this money. And what they did was they asked to retest these, um, the evidence. And when it came back to the defense, instead of turning it over to the prosecution, looked like they were going to get a new trial. They announced to the world that they found this DNA and it was this other stepfather. No one's ever seen that DNA mm -hmm. evidence. It's a kind of general DNA that matches um, millions right. percentage of the American population. It's not a specific DNA that points to one person like we're really usually familiar with. But nobody's ever seen that, that, and certainly the court hasn't. So instead, when they got the DNA that they said was so exonerating back, they asked to plead guilty via an Alford plea, which means that I still maintain my innocence, but the state had enough evidence to convict me. Now, they went out and told everybody that the state asked for it, that they were so scared of a retrial, which is not the case at all. Um, the state uh, was a new DA. Sadly, he took the deal. He didn't tell the parents of the victims um, about uh, accepting this Alfred plea deal. It was really a shady kind of backroom deal. But that is a guilty plea. So they are a legal rarity twice convicted triple child killers out on probation. And their probation <laughs> oh extends about another year. So Wow. And then after probation, does that just mean that it's they're done? With they're done. The they're time served. They're done. Yeah. yeah. That's uh yeah. so but they're go ahead. they're child killers. They right. they are I mean and and if anybody thinks that there's it was a really unfortunately everything that is critical of this case is, is gonna be found in smaller uh, smaller websites, mm -hmm. smaller podcasts. It's very interesting that if you don't wanna get on board the West Memphis three supporter train, expect to be harassed, expect to be silenced. And there was a very interesting article by a prisoner who said I knew they were guilty the minute they decided when they talked about taking the Alfred plea that it wasn't such a big deal. And he goes, I knew people in prison who were innocent and they would not take any deal right. that would would um, legally make them um, some kind of um, guilty of the crime or legally mm -hmm. responsible for the crime. Right, so, because they maintain their innocence. I think people often say to me, well, you don't know if you wanted to get out of death row, you'd do anything. And... I, I challenge them to look to people who were innocent and, and uh, those kind of offers generally get uh, turned down. So it, it, goes, it, seems, it seems almost like uh, counterintuitive to what you believe you do. You know, oh, I'd do anything. I'd sign anything. I'd want to just get out there tomorrow. But that's actually not true. It's, it, it would surprise you. Hmm. So. so really briefly, the reason why we're covering this is because I've been mm -hmm. really interested in uh, like the satanic aspects of our, basically the music industry, I'd say it's part of Hollywood. We see a lot of uh, thematic elements, I think, that overlap. And so it's interesting to me that Eccles has some really famous friends. One of them is Johnny yeah. Depp. 
they share the same tattoo, which is uh, the Prince of the Air. Uh, Prince of the Air, if, if no one knows what that is, that's a reference to Satan. But yeah, Ephesians 2.2 mentions uh, the Prince of the Air. Um, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you used to walk when you conformed to the ways of this world and the ruler of the power of the air. So that's the prince of the air, basically Satan. So they, they both share this tattoo together. Um, and Johnny Depp, I feel like if you've seen some of the movies he's been in, there's definitely been like some satanic imagery. Um, do you have any thoughts on his Eccles' friendship with some of these famous people like Johnny Depp or I think also Dave Navarro? Uh, Henry Rollins is another one. Henry Rollins said um, that uh, Eccles' wife, his prison, he, he married a woman who wrote him in prison named um, Lori Davis, and um, that Lori would call and that they would have to give more money and call all their celebrity friends and that these calls were frequent. Whoa. Uh, and so, <laughs> and uh, there's also an interesting collusion in, if anybody's read the book by Mara Levitt, which is a big supporter book, uh, of, which, which names John Mark Byers, who's another stepfather, which was the original stepfather that they blamed in the early documentaries, and then they moved on to another grieving stepfather, which another should set your alarm. But she, Mara Leverett, was also sending early copies, um, galley copies of her book for approval to Damien Eccles and Lori. Mm. So, and then she maintains that she was just some kind of out uh, journalist looking at the case with no preconceived notions, just trying to find the truth. So there's a lot of, when you look at the West Memphis, what interests me about the West Memphis Three is it's an ultimate kind of PR magic trick sleight of hand. Right. And if you can understand that, you can understand any kind of, it's such a complicated sleight of hand that you can understand any kind of um, PR court case after that. But the as far as Johnny Depp goes, um came late to the scene. So he was one of the later supporters. Uh, it was his money and also, I always forget his name, the guy who directed um, those Hobbit movies. Which movies? Um, Hobbit movies? The Lord of the Rings movies? Lord of the Ring movies. Oh, God. Uh, what is his name? Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson, thank you. Uh, he he gave, he uh, produced the one of the last documentaries about the West Memphis Three. Terrible terribly um, uh, biased, ridiculous. Uh, they have people recanting their testimony on camera. Any kind of recantation uh, people should look at with suspicion, um, just mm. like the court does. So people will say, well, they read. You can say anything in a documentary uh, without punishment. It's not the right. same thing in, in court. Nobody knew sort of where he came from um, and why all of a sudden he, he was ready to stake his stake his claim. But the thing that all supporters have in common is they've all watched the documentary. Yeah, I think Johnny Depp is a Satanist. Uh, I don't know who else would be in the Ninth Gate. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that film. Yeah, uh, very satanic. It's completely satanic. Uh, there are also sort of uh, rumors that uh, Lord of the Rings is also has a lot of satanic imagery, but they're way too long for me to waste my time on, so I really don't know.
Um, <laughs> and I you've mean, also got it, go Peter ahead. Jackson went so far above and beyond. They said they would give any amount of money till he was free. Wow. To, and you have to also look at, I think, um, the late journalist Dave McGowan said the best thing about the West Memphis Three case, which is, you know, they call it the West Memphis Three case, but it's always been about Damien Eccles and what was a right. relentless drive to free him. So why the interest in Damien Eccles? The satanic aspect of this case, which there are three young boys, right, that are, are mm -hmm. murdered by these young men. Um, and you're saying, you know, the denial of the Satan, I'm sorry, the denial of the satanic connection happened very early. So can you tell me more about that? Um, well, even people who thought the West Memphis Three were guilty would not say that it, it had anything to do with Damien Eccles' state of mind. And you have to look at Damien Eccles. Uh, he, at the time of the murder, he was someone who set fires. Mm -hmm. beat a dog to death, killed cats via, or injured and killed cats via firecrackers, uh, set things on fire, stalked underage girls, mm -hmm. uh, wanted to sacrifice his firstborn with his first girlfriend, Deanna Holcomb. Right. His life was centered around uh, wanting to gain occult powers. Right. And it was fair for the prosecution to bring that up um, there was, you know, the binding elements, the drowning elements, um, mm -hmm. I, uh, the, uh, it was done in the early parts of May, the moon. I'm not an expert on those aspects of it, right? but, but um, there's a lot of fair for them to bring it up. Yeah. I guess they and, think that it would, you know, somehow lack credibility, but if this is the belief system of the perpetrator, I think it is relevant, don't you? It was very relevant. I mean, he had, after uh, after he was convicted, the defense put together what is called Exhibit 500, which is 500 pages of Damien Eccles' mental health history to spare him uh, the death penalty, saying he's too uh, mentally ill to be executed. So, and now they lie about that document, saying it was all put together by one guy who didn't like him, and it's all lies. But I, I, I invite people to look at, at, at um, Exhibit 500, where his own parents were afraid that he was going to injure the kids in the home. Um, he's in and out of mental institutions. He's growing his nails into daggers and trying to gouge out the eyes right. of his um, enemies. So, so he was a, a violent person, you know, regardless violent, scary yeah. person who scared, you know, uh, the, they talk about the thought. And then afterwards, he went around all three of them, confessed at one point or another. Uh, Jason Baldwin confessed to his um, juvenile jail uh, cell, I guess, for inmate, fellow inmate. Um, mm -hmm. Damien Eccles confessed multiple times to various people. And Jesse Miss Kelly is off the charts. I mean, three recorded confessions and many other gave his dirty sneakers to his friend, Buddy Lucas, and said, we hurt some kids. And they've never, West Memphis security supporters have never come up with an alternate, uh, any kind of alternate theory or suspect that makes any sense. Right. Um, or an alibi. They've never had an alibi. Three of them still can't get their alibis uh, straight years later. Um, so, Yeah.
that's, I guess back to the satanic thing, I, I think mm -hmm. people are afraid to say, to look foolish, to talk about a strange kind of right. um, worldview. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people often deny that it's real. They they laugh and they, you know, and even the practitioners, I think the low-end practitioners of Satanism uh, think that it's kind of a joke. They, you know, they're not, um, they don't, I don't think they understand the dark uh, forces that they're messing with, to be honest. But again, that's just me. Um, so without, you know, understanding a little bit about it, you would really have to, you'd have to go back to like Aleister Crowley, which I believe Eccles was an acolyte of, right? You just said mm -hmm. that previously. And so when we take a look at uh, Crowley in relationship to these murders, you know, they killed three children. Uh, and, you know, Crowley, who is supposedly against abortion, uh, uh, basically prophesized this thing that he would call the Aeon of Horus. And he also said boys of eight years old would give you the most, make the best sacrifices, you know. Yeah, so the Aeon of Horus uh, talks about the worship of youth, right? So it's very pedophilic. Uh, according to something I found on this, it says, uh, Aleister Crowley claimed to be introducing us to the new age of man in the early 1900s. He dubbed this the Aeon of Horus, and this new period of time for the world would revolve around child god worship and worshiping the youth. So if that's not pedophilic. And it's also, I think, really um, uh, descriptive of what we see in Hollywood, you know, we do have an obsession with the youth, right? Um, everything from child actors to uh, these movies where Steven Spielberg, for example, puts kids in danger all the time, uh, you know, and also like, God forbid anybody age, all the plastic surgery that people seem to have and, and these things, these uh, mm -hmm. serums to, to, to for, you know, put off aging, put off a natural process. So not only was Crowley a pedophile and a, he was also a misogynist extraordinaire, uh, known as the great beast. Uh, he, he had a goddess called Babylon. All of it's always inversion, uh, you know, as above, so below the will. So he founded this thing, this religion he called Telema. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right which apparently translates as the will. Telema is the will, which is ritual magic to shape the universe according to your will. Okay, so it's, it's whatever you want. And I think that's really interesting because, you know, celebrity culture is basically glorifying the person themselves. And that's what Satanism is all about. It's about self-deification. Uh, we were calling them auto-theists the other day. I thought that was... A good word for it. Um, so do you know anything about Aleister Crowley? I know a little bit. I know a little bit. It's not my area of expertise or, or my, my interest. Um, right. But, you know, I, I just so interesting with his followers or people is that, you know, he would take their money and, and, and you know, say, give me everything you own and never return it. Like just the, uh, punch his scarlet women in the face, really beat them. And they, and they remained absolutely 
you know, beholden to him their whole life after being so poorly treated by him, you know. Yeah, it's very sort of a satanic idea. Like, it's like they almost like that more. Like, you, you did whatever you wanted to do and, you know, exploited people to the max to, to get your will and your way. And it means like even you have even you're even more powerful in some ways. I just don't see anyone getting better or or more enlightened or um, no. Uh, he says that selfishness is a virtue that uh, you know. Uh, he compares women to, women to dogs. You know, his house was named after Baal, the Canaanite god, which children were sacrificed to. Like, right, they're right. He's not. But they need. But they they are in a weird position because they need women to do their rituals. They need their scarlet women because male magicians, you know, are 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 considered you know females the 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 most creative, more creative sex and they need them for their rituals so they're in a kind of bind in that way yeah there's a lot of really choice things that he says about women um and it really is just women being encouraged to be very sexual give themselves completely to men so it's it's very antithetical to like let's say feminism although i did see recently there were some meetings that linked to Lema and, and feminists, like as if it could be some sort of feminist religion, which is just wild to me. Um, so yeah, he just, they have to use our power and our bodies. Uh, woman appears as a conquered sex, conquered by the myth of man. Woman suffers from the privilege of man who is above her, but she suffers it in the obedience uh, which inspires he who has imposed himself as a subject. So this is just all gross, like reversal. You know, women should be obedient. Uh, under my guidance, you will reach the dimension of the subject. You know, like all this sort of like mumbo jumbo, which just translates to like women being used as vessels in this sort of satanic practice and nothing more they really that's that's a good word for it vessels yeah yeah that's what they are yep yeah so uh cycling back a little bit i did want to talk about another one of Eccles' friends i don't know if he was a newcomer or a latecomer uh but dave navarro uh has been on has actually interviewed Eccles, um and he has a a Unicursal hexagram tattoo, which is obviously uh, related to Crowley. That's his symbol for Telema. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I thought this quote, so we were talking sort of about the, the worship of youth and all of this stuff. And I thought this quote about the uh, Wizard of Oz. There are a multitude of reasons, not all of them I can share with you, but I can tell you this. The word surrender speaks for itself. Certainly, The Wizard of Oz is a pivotal film in my life. Who says that? Uh, I think it's a rite of passage film. It's something that should be shown to children when they're still at an age for it to terrify and horrify them. Because when I saw it for the first time, it was the scariest thing I'd ever seen. Uh, so you just want to complete like this circle of abuse, it sounds like, Mr. Navarro. Anytime I talk to somebody in my age range about that film... They had a similar experience. I never felt that way about it. Uh, it looked like this shiny, happy movie for kids, but at the end of the day, it's no joke. 
So I actually read some of the Wizard of Oz books when I was a kid. So I don't have this connection with Wizard of Oz, but I think it was an interesting thing to talk about. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess he has a tattoo that says Surrender Dorothy, which is beyond creepy to me. That is very creepy. Do you, what do you make of any of that? Do you know anything about the Wizard of Oz in terms of uh, conspiracy theory even? Well, yeah, that it's being it's used in mind control to, to you know. Yeah. I just know the lore around it. Right. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know if any of it's been proven true. True. You know. Yeah, obviously none of this is, like, really. I think that, though, it is pretty easy to link these men together. Eccles, Johnny Depp, uh, you know, Peter Jackson, Dave Navarro. Um, oh, yeah, they're open. They're open and out about their interests. And, you know, I don't know about Peter Jackson, but right. definitely Dave Navarro, uh, Johnny Depp to, to some degree. Um, Dave Navarro is very open about it. Yeah. He does a lot of creepy things, like hangs himself up by his, <laughs> by his, like by putting. By uh, his skin. By yeah. skin, yeah. Yeah. All sorts of really he does the suspension, things. like BDSM stuff. I mean, it's all the stuff that we always talk about, you know, and he also has the Leviathan cross tattooed on his neck. Like, he's just, I mean, so obvious with it. So I think those, you know, speaking of threes, right, Johnny mm -hmm. Depp, Eccles, and Navarro seem to be like the three and, you know, that are on the surface, and you can tell very much, you know, they're into this particular philosophy of and you have to wonder if they're hanging around Eccles because Eccles spent his 18 years in prison if anyone wants to hear a really interesting interview check out Ed Offerman's show where he interviewed the guy Damien Eccles didn't pay off his storage unit so they got all the <laughs> books that he had while he was in prison and all the communications and lots of and you know 99% of the books in there I don't want to mischaracterize them but uh you can see a list of them are are about black uh you know the occult black magic and he says i you know used my time in there to meditate and, and study and become i wanted to be the greatest magician in the world right. you know so, so why are all these celebrities sort of look at the way they talk to damien eccles and the way they look they revere him like a great teacher like a great master you know sort of like the easy. same with like uh marina what's her face marina abramovic it's sure same same sort of faces like with reverence i'm looking at this person this person's going to show me some sort of secret maybe um, right and those kind of people i really think that they're not so much believers in his innocence Mm -hmm. As they believe that he may have gotten some kind of power by killing those three kids. I mean, the the uh, people that, uh, I'm not saying I believe that. I'm just saying I think they believe that. Mm -hmm. And the percentage of people who can get off death row, it's, it's less than 1%. Right. So <laughs> just by that very fact alone, they could think that he gained some either great power, either by the magic that he practiced while he was, on death row or by the you know ritual alone and if you listen to jesse miskelly's confessions he talks about a um cult that damien eccles was running basically a magical mm -hmm. uh 
where they were uh, killing dogs, eating dogs. I mean, you can believe believe it or not, very wild. Um, they would meet in this area and um, do these rituals. And I know Jason Baldwin um, was caught trying to steal one of his neighbor's dogs. So what? kind of interesting. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Yeah. Uh, but so, uh, you know, it, you, you can take what you, you know, and anytime you talk about the sort of more uh, unbelievable elements of that trial, you sound crazy yourself. So uh, that's why I think a lot of people don't want to talk about it. But Damien Eccles himself on the stand denied ever reading any Crowley. Then he comes out. He sort of came out as an occultist after he left, um, after he got out of prison. Before that, he was a Buddhist. All right. He, uh, all his interviews is very clean cut. No interest in the occult. He got married in a Buddhist ceremony. People would laugh at you if you brought it up. And then he came out like like as like a like as a, a gay person came out and started just you know every you know photographing himself by Crowley's uh, photographing Crowley's the front door of Crowley's um, apartment you know mentioning Crowley like home and everything that he's done since being out has been about the occult. Yeah, and I think it's very obvious that I think it's pretty, to me, when I've listened to all of your material and your research about this and also my overlapping interest in this subject, like, I think it's pretty obvious that this was a ritual. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, you know, Damien Eccles was probably sacrificing these kids um, and, you know, was an acolyte of Crowley. I think it's all very clear. So, well, why lie about it? If it if it doesn't have a, if it didn't matter then, if it didn't matter, why you lie about things that are sensitive that make you that 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 make you look guilty? That's what criminals lie about. And why would he lie on the stand about not knowing Crowley? And then he gets caught writing in a secret uh, witch what? language. That's what he calls it. His son's name, Jason Baldwin's name, and Alistair Crowley's name. And on the stand, he starts stuttering and breaking down and like a little kid. He was very sort of had this bravado and very tough on the stand and then starts sort of stuttering. And and you can feel the nerves. Um, It was this paper I had on uh, different alphabets for like translations where you could write things that nobody could read. And this was one of the forms. Oh, okay. Well, where did you have that at? Where did, when did you do that, write those things out? Sometime before I was arrested, I guess. Okay. Are you sure that you hadn't done those since you were arrested while you've been staying in jail? I don't know. I might have. Well, what? whose names are written on that document? Mine, Jason's, my son's, uh, one that says Alistair Crowley. And wait, wait. Who? Alistair Crowley. Now, this is a document that you've written while you've been waiting in jail for trial, right? If you say so. Well, you wrote it, correct? At your writing? Mm-hmm. Okay. You recall when you wrote it? Not really. Well, what I'm going to ask you is that this Damien Seth Azariah Eccles, your son, he wasn't born until after you were placed in jail, correct? Yes. So if you've got his name listed on this document, then this document had to be generated after he was born, right? Yes. Okay, so this is something you've written since you've been sitting in here in jail waiting for trial. Yes. 
And what you were doing was writing out various names in different type alphabets, correct? From the way it looks here, I was practicing trying to memorize them. Okay. And one of the names that you picked out to write about was this fellow named Alistair Crowley, correct? Mm -hmm. Is that just just a total coincidence you just pulled his name out of the air? No, it's just the same book that I had with this, the different alphabets in it. It also had stuff about him in it. Well, did you have the book out there at the time you were doing this? Mm, this was just from what I remembered myself where I was practicing, trying to memorize, get it all in my head. Perfect. So so you were going over it, working on it in your head, and at that point in time, you write all this down from memory? Mm-hmm. The people that are listed on here, you've got your name on here, right? Mm -hmm. And then Jason Baldwin, which is your best friend, right? And then you've got Damien Seth Azariah Eccles. That's your son? Yes, it is. Okay. And then the only other name on this document besides yourself, your best friend, and your son is Alistair Crowley. Correct? Yes, sir. So why? Why is it? Why would, why would he? Why would that be the thing that he would lie about? Because it's important. You, li you don't lie about trivial things mm -hmm. when you're on trial for your life. You just don't. I don't care how crazy you are. Just in case people aren't familiar with this case or with uh, his famous friends, <laughs> uh, which I just find, you know, and you've got other really unlikable people like Genesis P. Ulrich. Um, you just died. And then um, some of the women are interesting, too. Margaret Cho was a really er early supporter of Rosa Forward to Echo's first little-known book mm. that he wrote. Um uh, also, the Dixie Chicks, Maine, Natalie Maines, huge supporter. Like, what? It's more interesting to me. Those people are. What? What's going on with with those people? Why did they attach themselves to to this cause? Yeah. Do you think that they're satanic, or do you think that they're like against the death penalty? Because, you know, as I've seen your work progress, and you've talked a lot about innocence fraud, like a lot of it seems like you know, they want to destroy the death penalty and that can be a conversation in itself, but they seem to always pick these cases where people aren't actually innocent. So do you think these celebrities are more like, we want to be, we want to abolish the death penalty because we think it's wrong? Or do you think they like are secretly just, you know, some speculation for fun? Margaret show, I, I mean, I, I would say looks very involved in some kind of satanic with thing to me because mm. she's so personally involved with Damien Eccles. Yeah. She seems to love him. And Natalie Maines is just a mystery to me why this became her cause and why she's such a believer and someone had to point out to her. You know, I mean Yeah, I, I mean don't know I've had after I listened to your your information and I, you know, interacted with it and, and then I told some friends who were like kind of into true crime, like yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, those guys are guilty, and they're like, no. And I'm like, yeah, seems like they're pretty guilty to me. Like, you should listen to my friend's work about it. <laughs> I'm not going to explain it, but... Um, well, it is harder than other cases. Like, there's another case, Ryan Ferguson, which I, I looked into that has a lot of PR around it. Mm -hmm. And that was such a that's such an easy case to explain. Here's what goes on behind the scenes. You should watch this documentary. Uh, called Murder, A Murder in the Park, about a, a death penalty case in Chicago. And you can see what goes on, the deals, the things that are pe people are promised. 
that the public doesn't see. When um, that's a that's a fascinating document. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And just to keep it on, you know, theme here, like it is an inversion of the justice system, and Satanism is an inversion of what I believe to be everything that's good in this world. So. Well, just can I say one thing though? Yeah. Just you know, as someone who does, I'm a non-believer, right? So uh, agnostic, atheist, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I've had so many people say to me, "Well, what happens in these high PR cases is that the, the sociopathic murderer becomes the victim, right? And then the and oftentimes uh, the victim or the victim's family." Is it's inverted, so they're actually um, the victimizer, yeah. portrayed as the victimizer. Right. And 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 people have said, have said have used the word evil, or it just seems evil, or it seems satanic to me. And really, people you would not suspect at all. You know, people are not conspiracy minded. It's just so, and to have the support of the mainstream media, the the. Uh, reporting from the New York Times to the New Yorker to Rolling Stone magazine, our true crime reporting is so poor. I mean, gone are the days of even Dominic Dunn or, you know, even sort of flashier uh, people who who stuck closer to to what, you know, actually went to court. These people don't go to court. They just get their talking points from from the defense side and write it up as if it's fact. And then they wonder why the public's so misinformed. I mean, it's all it's all on purpose, I think. And you don't even have to go as far as, like, it's satanic. So call them what you want, you know, not even specifically satanic. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't even say that I believe in a higher power either. But I think that these people do. And I think, you know, that's interesting and scary because they seem to have a lot of power um and i don't you know i'm just sort of on this journey to try to find out more and like why why and how and like the history of these sort of occult practices which you know have been going on for a long long time the nazis were super into the occult so yeah i think i'm gonna wrap it up do you have anything else you want to add well, I think that, that when, when we talk about power structures, it's just so common to say our legal system doesn't work, uh, our police system doesn't work, but when you without any sort of – people just throw that out as if they know that to be a fact. Now, are they perfect? No, but the fact is when we, when we um, get rid of the police, when we mess with our legal system, the way uh, – uh, the Innocence Project and people like that have the end result is that women get hurt. Yes, and children, women suffer yeah. more than any other. I'm not saying that men don't suffer too. Well, I have women and children, things, you know? but generally, women and children are the ones that suffer um, right. with these rulings and and when they start to mess with it. Yeah, you know, you can even sort of tie it. You know, I think Satanism is really misunderstood, but if you really just think about it as this idea of, like, do whatever you want, you can also sort of apply this to, like, postmodernism. I think they go sort of very well together. You can think of it in terms of transhumanism. 
all of these things, you know, they sort of relate and coalesce and uh, have parallels with one another. So, and, and the people who are trying to destroy these institutions are, I think, coming from a postmodernist uh, kind of train of thought. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm just so surprised even people who are critical of it will just throw it out like, oh, well, our legal system is racist uh, with, with no support, just as if it's like a fact. And I, I encourage people who are interested in our legal system to go, to actually go to Go to court. We have open court. Check it out. See what's going on. Yeah, read some court documents, too. If you're really interested <laughs> in the West Memphis Three or any other case, Roberta always tells me to read the court documents, although usually she does it for me and then makes a really good comprehensive show about whatever it is, you know, you're into that week or that month. So Thank you. So thank okay. you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.